You're listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. I'm the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. I've been practicing exclusively divorce and family law for the past 16 years. Everyone has a story. I interview them. Wake Up Call is an opportunity for you to hear inspiring stories from people who are making hard decisions, overcoming their fears, and living their most authentic life. Hey, everybody. This is Wake Up Call Live. I am your host, Christina Previtt, and I have a bunch of lovely ladies joining me today to talk about a subject that I just kind of randomly posted on Facebook. And boy, did I get a lot of feedback. And you ladies were um, kind enough to give me your time so that we could have a more in-depth conversation. And that subject was, um, do kids make marriage harder for relationships in general? And the reason I even posted this is because as a divorce lawyer, I see a lot in my practice that there's a lot of conflict over kids very often. And I realize I'm seeing like a very small segment of the population. I'm seeing the ones where it didn't work out, right? But there must be other people that navigate this stuff and, and they're able to resolve conflict with kids. Um, and full disclosure, I don't have any children. I have a nine-year-old goddaughter who's wonderful, love her to death, but I don't have her every single day. And I also don't have another person that I have to agree on how to, you know, raise her or whatnot. So you guys are co-parenting with people. So I want to hear more about that. I'm briefly just going to in introduce all of you. We've got Kelly Martone. She's a family law attorney in New Jersey. We've got Olga Schalfan. She's in-house counsel in New Jersey. Leslie Urbis, you, Urbis, you are a health concierge and dietitian. And where are you living these days? I can't keep track. In 13 days, I'll be in Spain. So go with that. Okay. So ship military wife, right? Yes. Um, and then Jennifer Hillegas, you are a family therapist in New Jersey. And Elise <clears throat> Bowie, you, you've been on my show before many times. You are uh, in Seattle and you are a family law and a state attorney, right? Yep. Okay. So there you have it, all moms. And I don't know who the heck wants to go first. What do you think? What did you think when when you saw my post and I said, "Do kids make marriage harder?" Like, what was your <laughs> visceral response to that? <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> so explain that a little bit. You know, explain that. Like, I don't want to put. I can make assumptions, but I don't want to. I want you to tell me like what you mean by that. Well, I'm a mom, so I have four biological children, two stepchildren. So I, you know, have an ex that I've co-parented with my four children. And then we've been raising, you know, all six of them with my new husband. I mean, when you are navigating all these children and their emotions and their dynamics, along with your spouse or your significant other or whatever, I mean, it's like this big maze of complexity. Like, you know, one kid might not get along great with their bio parent. Maybe they get along better with their step parent. And there's all this stuff. You're constantly navigating emotions. I feel like, I mean, as a mom, I feel like it has been this just prolonged exercise in navigating stinky onions. And <laughs> it's just complicated. 
And I, like you, Christina, am a divorce attorney. So see, you know, the other side of it too, but have now, you know, been both in a bad marriage where I got divorced from and then in a phenomenal marriage. And even in both settings, the children add a certain level of complexity that it's impossible for them not to. Like, yeah, they're real beings that are growing up and dealing with their hormones and getting, you know, launched into the world. It's complicated. So do you, is it, does it, does that come from the perspective of there's just more to do? You know, we just have more things to do and more people to worry about, or is there an aspect of that, that, you know, you have to agree on, you know, how do we discipline the kids? How do we, you know, what is a big deal and what's not a big deal? Oh, is there part of that too? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it, the philosophy. I'm going to be quiet, though, and let other people talk. <laughs> yeah. And to, who has a blended family? So at least does. But do, does anybody else here have, you know, stepkids? No, I don't have stepkids. And I, I wanted to just jump in, you know, to answer your initial question, Christina. Um, my first reaction when I saw your question was a very typical lawyer reaction of, you know, objection, foundation, like improper mm. question. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think that, I don't think children inherently make marriage harder. I think they just make life different um, to anybody who takes care of them, whether you're married or single or part-time parent, step-parent, you know, however it is, however involved you are in a child's life, if you become involved in a child's life significantly enough, it's going to affect your life. It's going to make it different. Whether it's good, bad, neutral, or all three, that depends, you know. So my second, my second answer was, and it depends. It depends on the family. It depends on the marriage. It depends on the couple. It depends on how old everybody is how ready you are to have kids. You know, I can tell you, I have three kids. They, I have, they all have very significant age difference. And um, I, each, each kid affected my marriage very differently um, for a million different reasons. Not the least of which was, I was at very different stages of my life and my marriage was in a very different stage of that relationship with every child's arrival. So I, I don't think there's one answer. I yeah. think there are probably as many answers as there are families. Um, and you're gonna get very different perspectives. I, I gotta hear what the therapist says, especially because she's shaking her head. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the first thing I thought of too. At first I said no, because I didn't feel like it did as far as, I guess now looking at it, you can't really remember. I think they like purposely have us block out all those difficult times in the beginning. So we keep perpetuating the species, I think, because otherwise we never would. So, but given that, I think that it has the capacity to. Now, any stressor can make a marriage harder, any stressor. The difference with kids is a stressor. Like, let's look at finances, right? Finances, when they get better, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's like, all right, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But with children, when they, when it's going well, not only do you have to use cooperation, cooperation creates a likeness and a bonding and it strengthens a relationship. You have something in common. <laughs> you have something to talk about. There's so many, especially when couples come in um, for marriage counseling, you know, they go, like, all we do is talk about the kids. 
Well, we start there because you have something in common. That's great. That's the one thing. Now, unless they're fighting over it, but I always hear that. Like, couples go out to dinner. All we did was talk about the kids. We need to talk about us, right? But sometimes when you have trouble communicating, this is a really great way to get a crash course into that. And then when it goes well, it is so rewarding and you feel so connected. There's not much to seeing your spouse with a child. Like there's not much that compares to that. Um, you know, like a Ryan sitting there with the baby sleeping, like, and you know, the tattoos are out and the beard is there. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's so cute. Not everybody would think that, but it, it's got the capacity to just like everything though. But cooperation, the research states that when you have to cooperate, be a team with somebody, it's going to fortify a relationship. But if there's cracks in the foundation, any stressor is going to exploit it. Hmm. How about you guys, Kelly, Leslie? Well, my first response to that was pulling in the driveway and having this insane amount of resentment towards my husband that day because I did about 16 things more. And, you know, we talk about the weight. I will say from the outset, I don't know what my life would be like without my kids. They're everything and anything. But to say they don't create space and distance between you and your marriage is, is unreal. Um, even activities, they pull us in two different directions every night. So from 5.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, I'm not even seeing my husband and we're crashing. And then I, um, so I do find it creates a disconnect and it's all being done via text message. Do you have that doctor? Do you have that dentist? He becomes another client to me. And that is where I have to step back. Sometimes it's one more person asking me to do things. And, you know, our jobs are a little bit different. Mine's a little bit more laboring, but it's flexible in time. His is not. He's in a classroom. So dentists, doctors, somebody's sick. It has been, it's on me. And, and that does breed resentment. I, I, I think as they are getting older, we're communicating better about it. But to say it hasn't interfered, something else would have interfered. I'm not saying that this is kids only. I'm saying our love for them, anything you love that much is going to create stress too. Anything that matters that much to us is going to create stress and hurt at different times. Um, for the most part, I would say we balance each other out. I know Olga knows us personally. We are like uh, night and day, <laughs> but it, it kind of works. I'm very reactionary, but sometimes I feel like my reactionary emotions, I'm fighting it alone. Why aren't you here with me? I just don't know if, you know, those things would exist absent the kids. On the flip side, nothing brings us more together than seeing them do well. But what I'm finding, especially the teenagers, it's the most underprepared for parenting I've ever been. Because there's an emotional exhaustion that goes with the rides. You're, you're like an Uber for an angry customer who doesn't like the way you breathe. <laughs> And isn't talking to you and then you're go. I mean, you're just, and, and then there's the, and, and the emotions, they, they don't know themselves. So it's all coming out on you. And you're thinking, I'm thinking the whole time and he gets to be in his classroom and hide from this. Like, I feel like I'm getting the crap beat out of me daily. Yeah. I so feel I like, I feel like, hasn't. I feel like some of what you're talking about, which I wanted to bring up into the conversation um, is, you know, I think a lot of families, I think women are still complaining that, they get they get more of the workload uh, you know like I, you know some of those old books like I remember in college which was a long time ago having to read the second shift and I don't think it's really an outdated book 
you know, some people might think it is, but I do think that a lot of women, and this is not every household, but I still think that women for the most part are get have more of the workload when it comes to taking care of the home, taking care of the kids, you know, just making sure all those things get done. I think um, it's definition, Christina, of workload too, though. Right. So I would say caretaking, caretaking is what I mean. Well, not just that. It's it's what I find my role being more thinking about whether they made their doctor's appointment, did he schedule them, those things that require time. I find my husband's role more performing wise. He has he, he drives them everywhere. And I'm a, a mom of two boys. Dad's everything for everything. Like they don't I'm not having catch. I'm not coaching their teams. So there are times where he probably feels his role is 10 times greater than mine. I don't mow the lawn because he doesn't like me to. I do like to. But like those kind of things go into fitting in all the rides and coaching he's doing where I'm just showing up at a game. So I think it depends on how we define workload and depends on the gender of your kids candidly. Now, what do you think, Leslie? Yeah, I mean, so I'm in a, a totally different boat just because we're a military family. So, you know, my kids are four and two and... I mean, my daughters maybe had them around 50% of the time. My son, maybe 30 to 40. He was gone a lot this past year, like uh, in the past, like 10, 12 months. We've maybe, maybe at this point, we've seen him for like three months of the year. Okay. So, so because we're in totally different areas there, it does fall all on one person, right? When he's not here, how can he do anything? I mean, he can email, but my kids can't read. So it's not like, I mean, I'm still even communicating the email. So I think with that thought process, the way that I've like done it um, in terms of, you know, workload is when he gets back, it's like, it's almost like a nagging person at first, but it's more of like, I do like, I give him, you know, a week to get warm back up, you know, welcome to the world and no longer on a ship kind of thing. But then I communicate those boundaries and those barriers. Like, I need you to do these things. They are going to cry, but they're only crying because they're not used to you. So I do it with him for a little bit and then shift out one for my kids and two for him. But my thought process goes to when they're screaming, they still come to me. Right. But I, I feel like that also came from, and this is when you posted it, I went to, I don't know were they breastfed or not, because I felt like because my kids were breastfed, they are always coming to me because when they cried 92% of the time, where do they go? Me. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I was who they were. So even from a young age, because I, I fed them until they're about one to 18 months, they they knew that. I cry, I go to mom. Mom gives me comfort, right? Because food is comfort. Um, and from a dietitian standpoint, I see that, right? It's also now, you know, I was on a call and he's screaming to me. I'm hungry. I'm like, you've got him out there. Go get, go get something from dad. No, you mama, you mama, right? So my thought process goes to like clear boundaries. How are you communicating to that to your husband and, um, even on top of that, from like some of the beginning conversation with how you work your marriage, my husband and I booked a trip when we got engaged or when we did our honeymoon, we booked a seven day trip all inclusive to St. Lucia that we had to postpone because we had our daughter and then had to postpone because I was pregnant with our son and then postponed for 2020. And we just took it and it was seven days. And I was like, I don't know that I should be doing this seven days apart from my kids. Right. And I was fine until day five when a mom was like, Oh, we have two kids that are eight and six and we couldn't we are only staying three days because we know we shouldn't be away from our kids they're that young for that long and i went well how bad do i look mine are two and four and i've been here for five days and we go home in two 
And that's when like, you know, it hit me. I still make time like, when we're together once a week, we are having a night that's just us. And in Spain, we know it's going to take us a little bit to find a babysitter and after the house. So we know we're losing that for a period of time. But that is something that we refuse to give up because that's how we parent better. It's also our time to communicate. And we actually put like a time limit on what we talk about of the kids versus what we talk about for ourselves. And you're like, okay, we've covered that base, you know, to still have that communication with each other um, and not go into this like battle. Now, I, I've wondered that like how um, you guys were saying, like when they get older and they're in their teenage years, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't even know about, I, I hope he's home when like- I hope he's home Larry <laughs> Like, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm like, I'm not prepared to do it. I can't even get Larry to go pee on the toilet. You know, I'm like, watch dad, you know, cause he's not entertained by me, but he's entertained when, you know, we can have him shoot at Cheerios or something, you know, but it's still a hard task. It's like, well, I don't want to go to the bathroom with daddy. I want to go to the bathroom with mommy, you know? So it's one of those, like, I feel like sometimes it's, it's really in younger years for us, like making it a point to make him do something that I don't do to keep that boundary. Well, it sounds like as with most things in life, it's about um, a lot of it has to do with expectations and communication. So, um, you know, Olga, you had suggested that maybe I didn't ask the right question. Um, do kids make marriage harder? What do you think is the question? Oh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Okay. I think I think the question should be more open-ended than that. You know, what impact do children have on adult relationships? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, 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 I think um, a blended family is going to have a completely different dynamic and the impact that the different children are going to have on that new marriage. It's one thing if you're coming into a marriage with already children of different ages, and it's another thing if you have those kids together. And like I said, when you have them together, um, uh, you know, my my husband and I had a very similar um, uh, sort of desire to have, you know, at least a monthly date night when it's just us. And we kept it up for a little bit and then it fell by the wayside. And during COVID, both of us switched the way we work. We are a two working uh, parent family, both of us all of a sudden started working from home, which we had never done before. And it completely changed the family dynamic. I got to say the way COVID and when the kids were studying from home and we were working from home and we are super lucky in that we have a large enough home that everybody could do it in their own space. We weren't on top of each other, but nevertheless, just that family togetherness 24 seven for months on end I think added an entire level of complexity. In our case, it made our family closer and made my marriage stronger. But I can completely see how it could have had a very different impact on plenty of people whose marriages and parent-child relationships were not where ours were, were not as close to begin with. Um, and where the physical circumstances of their existence just didn't give them enough space for alone time and privacy and things like that. So I think the question is, what is the impact and how do you, what strategies can you implement to make that impact on net a positive one 
and not a negative one. And how does that change as the children grow? Because Kelly's absolutely right. The way I parent my 20-year-old son is very different from how I parent my 10-year-old daughter. Um, and age is a difference, gender is a difference, and then I have a 16-year-old son who doesn't fit into any box whatsoever. <laughs> I parent him very differently from how I parented his brother when he was 16, and probably very differently from how I'm going to parent his sister when she's 16. Well, how much do you think that, uh, well, and maybe it's not a fair question. I think it probably has a little bit to do with each, but there's birth order, right? Um, gender. Uh, you know, I, I hear parents say, well, I, there's things that I would let my son do that I won't let my daughter do, or we just worry about my daughter more. Um, what do you guys think about that? And how old is everybody's kids? You said you've got varying ages. Leslie, yeah. you've got little ones. Yeah. Two and four. Yeah. Mine yeah. Are... And I, I have, like I said, 20, 20 year old son, 16 year old son, and a 10 year old daughter. Um, and to answer your question, I think in my case, it depends a lot more on just their personalities. They mm -hmm. are like the X axes, the Y axes, and the Z axes. And they could not be more different. Um, and I often ask myself that question, how could three human beings coming out of the same gene pool, being parented by the same parents, be so entirely different? And the answer is that they're not being parented by the same parents and they're not being raised in the same family. The family changes with the addition of every child, with the passage of years, with our experience as human beings, as, as parents, we are different. I am different to you know, even in infancy, I already had an experience having parented my oldest by the time the second one came along. So there were a lot of things I did differently, not to mention when the third one came along five years later, I was in a completely different place in my career, in my life, in my relationship as an adult, as a woman. Um, so it was a completely different infancy experience with my third. And therefore, her relationship with me, her relationship with her father, her relationship with her older brothers is going to be entirely different. So we, we have to stop fooling ourselves into thinking our children are all being raised in the same family as long as it's the same two parents. They're not. Well, they're individuals, too. Right. I mean, I learned the human design of my children. And they, while they're the same, we're the same parents, their human design is completely different. So the way I communicate with both of them is different based on their you know, just, I don't know if anybody knows human design, but I, somebody did it for me. And I was like, okay, I don't even know what this means, but I discovered more. And it's so true just from the way I can ask questions to my daughter versus asking questions to my son. I can ask a question to my daughter and she can answer it um, open-ended. But if I give an open-ended answer to my two-year-old, he won't respond. My two-year-old, my daughter, when she was two, would have responded. He doesn't mm -hmm. do the same. I have to give him yes or no questions to get a response back. I can't say, do you want a hot dog or a hamburger? He looks at me like, I can say, do you want a hot dog? No. Do you want a hamburger? Yes. Whereas to my daughter, I have to give it to her like that. If not, she just says no to everything. It's just, and I learned that through human design, just trying to get to know my kids better. And that's something else I want to do with my husband is learn how our designs correlate to their designs to learn how to better parent and better communicate with each other. So that's why, I mean, when you posted it, I was like, I could like write four pages too. But I was like, nobody's going to read it. So I might as well save my time. <laughs> well, I think a lot has to do too with, um, 
the way that the couple communicates with each other long before the kids ever come into the picture, right? Yes. Um, you know, I, I clerked for a judge in family court, and he always said that the reason we see a lot of these people is because they don't know how to resolve conflict. That's, that's why their marriages didn't work out. Um, so don't expect them to communicate better while they're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that all the time. So um, unfortunately, though, most people don't sit down before they get married and say, you know, what kind of parent are you going to be? You know, what time do the kids go to bed? You know, can they eat sugar? Can they go to McDonald's? When can they date? When can they start wearing makeup? And, you know, I think a lot of things people have conflict over those, right? Like one parent might just have a completely different parenting style. And how do you reconcile those things? I think that, well, you could have that conversation before you have kids. You're going to go completely the opposite. Um, I've learned, you know, you can't say never. Because as soon as I say I would never do that for my kids, my kid's eating like Hershey Kisses on the way to kindergarten because I can't get them out the door. Um, I, I think, I mean, I one thing I, I agree with you, my relationship with my husband's strong enough to get through, you know, and we, we're the only two that enjoy and love our kids as much as I mean, we're going to. There are everything. So when things, like, with, with those kind of things, they're amazing to share. It's the emotional energy. I don't care how you divvy up tasks or any of that stuff or the date night that you plan once a month. How do you get through the day-to-day -day with your emotional energy drained? It's drained. You know, by, even by, you know, thinking about what I'm cooking for dinner or whatever, by the time I'm talking to him, I, I'm, like, numb. And then I wake up in the morning with a hundred things to talk about. And he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that even if you are on the same page and you communicate great and you have the same parenting style and all that, you still got these kids that require a lot. Because we're all like the human design. And she's talking about in human nature, what one of us worries about is not the same as the other parent. Um, and how we worry and process stress is different. So I think I've seen it even, you know, with grieving and, and is, is a good example. We all do it differently. So there's no book on that. And sometimes you're sitting in silence. Sometimes I'm not telling my husband something because I know it creates more stress for him than it does for me. So I'll handle it. Um, yeah. I just think, I mean, we, we go out. We probably go out once a week sometimes because our kids are a little older. Um, doesn't mean that we're not by Thursday or Wednesday night really is our is our oh crap, all the plans for the week went out the window and we're just surviving now. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I, thought I you just were think it's hard to find all the emotional energy we need. I'm also, you know, and I know all of us are, we're, we're parenting post-pandemic and in a pandemic. And when people say, how is that different? I don't know because I didn't do this with before. My kid has been a teenager. That's all I know. A teenager in a pandemic. I don't know teenagers before pandemic. So, I, I mean, I'm doing the best I can, but yeah, our roles, like Olga said, they changed. All three of them were home and mommy was at the office because I had to be. I couldn't, they were all in school. That is an interesting observation. You're right. I never even uh, thought about that. But at least I've seen you shaking your head a lot. So I've got to ask you what's on your mind. Oh, I don't mean to shake my head. I find it super interesting, all the different things. I mean, I so agree about what we're saying that, you know, families are so different with the birth of each child, the development of the parents, the relationship. I mean, it's just, it truly is not the same. I mean, I was not the same mom for kid number six at all. 
that I was at the beginning. And I mean, even now mine are all grown. I mean, I have six between 20 and 30 and it is just wildly different. You know, I actually posted something the other day, you know, a lot of times you're talking to moms of young children and they're worried about sleep and, you know, whether my child's getting enough vegetables and whatever. And, you know, I was like, gosh, some days I would love to go back to that. You know, I worry about hit and runs now and my child, you know, a sniper in the Marines and is he going to be killed this week or, you know, various things like that. So that emotional stuff is still there, even though you're dealing with a completely different, um, I mean, the severity of what you're dealing with. I mean, when they're young like that, you spend all this time trying to keep them alive from themselves, you know, like falling, hurting themselves or whatever. When they're older, it becomes like you're trying to keep them alive in the whole world, you know, like what they're choosing to do. And I have two sons who are getting ready to go to New Orleans to go to a Saints game for a week. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a bad idea that is. But I'm sure they'll have a blast. Let's just hope they come back alive and with no jail time. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, I want to hear from you, Jennifer, because, you know, obviously you have, you might have a look at this through a different lens. Well, immediately do. I have two boys and they're a year and a half apart. So they're, I didn't really have a lot of, you know, almost nine and 10 right now. So that I didn't really have a big change or anything that occurred between the last one is basically end of breastfeeding pregnant again. So the only thing that didn't happen is I didn't get to drink. So other than that, other than that, but when I think about marriage, I think we have to think like in psychology, we call it the dyad. The problem becomes when it's you and me, when it's separate, when it feels separate. And a lot of times, you know, we're, we don't pay attention to imbalance because it's not ever perfectly balanced. The problem becomes when it gets too imbalanced, then we hyper-focus on it. And then it becomes I and you and not we. And that is then that is what breeds the resentment and resentment eats a marriage like acid. And that's what I say in marriage counseling all the time. Can we undo resentment? Yes. But if it's like that deep flowing thing underneath everything, then it's, it just, it, it, it just eats it. It dissolves it. The, the bond. That could just be generally like one parent thinking, I have to do everything. I don't get help. Right. As soon as it feels imbalanced. And again, because of our strengths, because of the way we're built, there is never going to be a 50-50 split. We have different, you know, depending on the situation. But even in general, if you're always home, it's rarely going to be 50-50, but it's going to work for you. This, that, the problem becomes when you start to notice the imbalance. And then it's all you think about. And if you're not communicating and not changing it or not able to change it in some cases, like I've heard, then that just becomes stronger and stronger. And it stops being that we team oriented mind and it becomes you versus me. And then somebody has to win. And then I could go on forever about what happens after that. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> has anybody read Fair Play by Eve Rodsky? I haven't. Oh my God. Okay. All of us should read that. Like, it is the most amazing book on this whole idea of the second shift. I mean, Christina, to your point, it's actually based on that book. I mean, the, the author from that book came and spoke to something that I went to where Eve was present. Fair play is absolutely game changing for families to be able to figure out how to divvy up the emotional work and the physical work. I mean, I won't bore you with the whole system, but it literally is like almost, it's like putting a system in our most important unit being our families. Like we put systems in businesses, we put systems everywhere and 
fair play is the system in homes. And, you know, if you have children, it's a hundred card. There's a card game that goes along with it. And if you don't have children, you could remove 40 of those cards. And so there's 60. But that is super telling in and of itself that children bring in 40 cards to the mix that other couples who don't have children don't have to address. And it's a fascinating system. Yeah, I would highly I'm recommend gonna, I'm going to read that. I just put a link in the comments. Um, it just looks like gibberish right now. But if anybody's interested in checking that out, you can find that on Amazon. Um, yeah, I, I mean, these are all interesting. I'm wondering, like, what do you guys do in your relationships? If you want to, you know, tell me however much you want to tell me. Um, you know, when you do feel like, especially when the kids were younger, um, you know, when you did feel like there was an imbalance, you know, how did you handle that? Let the natural consequences fall where they may. Like, don't, don't do all the things that, you know, like stop doing things. I mean, as a parent of, you know, younger children, like when I would see even my children not doing things, not taking responsibility, like I, that didn't mean I had to take it over and do it. You know, like I could step back and not do it and let them see and let my husband see those things fall and fail. Like it is a really good way for people to actually understand, I think, how much somebody does when you you put up good boundaries and you let natural consequences be. I mean, I'm definitely the mother that has put many a dirty dish in a child's bed instead of cleaning the dishes. I'm like, you know, figure out how to handle your dishes. I love that. And I want to talk about that more because I think that applies not just to parenting. That's just, we all should live our lives that way. You know, we get to decide where our boundaries are. And I see so many people that they'll complain about things, but as an outsider listening to them complain, I can see that, well, if you would just establish boundaries, yep. those problems would go away or at least would, you know, bubble up so that someone has to pay attention to it and there has to be a dialogue about it. Because what I'll see happen instead, like, you know, putting the dirty dish in the bed or just letting them fail so that that can be a consequence for them, people will just continue to do it, right? But then yeah. they'll complain. Like, I, yeah. I have a friend who has grown kids and she's complaining that, you know, why are my kids grown and have jobs and make money and I'm still the one doing the laundry and making dinner for everybody? Like, I thought this those days were over. And I'm always like, stop cooking dinner, <laughs> you know? Stop doing the laundry. You can't tell them, hey, guys, you know, it'd be really nice if you do the laundry. They're not going to do the laundry. Like, put all their freaking dirty laundry in their bed and let them worry about it, right? Obviously, I feel very strongly about that. But I think I think we see that in all aspects of life. You know, we're not setting boundaries about what you want, about what you expect. And, and okay. kids will do what they're allowed to do. Completely. That is the statement. Kids will do what they are allowed to do. And, um, but, and that usually means, will do what absolutely every human will. And that, and that usually means without consequence, right? Like if I know that I can wait out, like I have so many, I literally have the kids tell me, I go, my mom will get annoyed in about three days. She'll yell at me for three days, but then she'll come in while I'm at school and clean my whole room up. Why would I clean my room? I don't know why you would. You wouldn't. That wouldn't make any sense because somebody's going to yeah. do it as soon as she gets mad enough. And they, they say that. And I'm like, well, how do you feel when she's yelling at you? 
it'll end. They're obviously not scared. Like it, she eventually stops and then she leaves my room, has a fit, leaves my room and we got two more days of it until she cleans it. Cause it's a mess. You should see my, they'll go, you should see my room. It's a mess. That would take me like three hours to clean. And they say that like, it's common sense because it is common sense. It is. It is very much what, if this, then this, if this happens, then this happens. And I have some clients who have a little, they can't go to sleep without this, the sink empty. Okay. Or maybe it's a preference and maybe it's a little more than a preference. It doesn't matter. But everyone knows in that household that mom's not going to sleep without the sink empty, right? Her own issue, whatever it is. But why would I? It's going to get done by the morning. Morning, Guaranteed 100% done by the morning. So if that's something you kind of feel stuck on, and I'm wondering about your friend, like, does she feel like she has to? Because if it's not, it gives her anxiety. So if the anxiety peaks, right? And then the only way to get it down is to have a clean whatever or the dishes, whatever. Some people get stuck on a lot of different things. And yeah. sometimes it's just preference. She's going to remove her own anxiety. And the reason the complaint might be happening is because she doesn't see another way around that. If she can't get them, she has no control over them. If she can't get them to do it and her anxiety is up here, if it's not done, yes. that then creates a scenario where she feels stuck, frustration, leads to complaint and we you know we box ourselves in all the time whether it's and again i don't know if there's a if there's a diagnosis there that's a whole separate thing but then there's other people who just aren't comfortable they'll lay in bed and go now i gotta get up in the morning and i gotta do the dishes and that's gonna be so annoying like i really this doesn't make sense i really need to go do that it's gonna make more sense for me if i go in because when i have to get the kids lunches set it's gonna be a big mess and then they get up and go do the dishes like it's it's a very you know typical thing but it's a day-to-day all the time yeah, everybody's life. We all have preferences, what we prefer. And then some of us have some anxieties and discomforts. And the biggest predictor of behavior is the removal of anything negative. And that's usually a discomfort or anxiety. Well, my unprofessional advice to my friend was throw those kids out. <laughs> <laughs> then she might worry about them when they're gone. It's easier to have them under a roof, right? There's they're, so they're many complexities. They have full-time jobs. They do well. They make money. Like they have good salaries. Throw them out. What are they doing there? <laughs> or make them pay for the cleaning lady. There you go. Amen. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're 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 kind of at a space where I think it's it's a good place to wrap up. But I want you each to maybe just give like a real quick, you know, advice to other families, like what has worked for you in terms of managing all of this. Like, what's what's advice you'd give maybe your daughter or your son as they're going into a marriage? My, um, I, I've, my kids, especially the older ones, have asked plenty of times. And they're also, my husband and I are very sort of open about our relationship in front of our kids. Like we hug and kiss and we're very physical people. And our kids are, you know, now at a point where like, oh, please, you know, get a room. Um, <laughs> but, but at the same time, they do ask because especially the older ones are at a point where they're, they're thinking about relationships of their own. Um, and we always give them the same advice. Ultimately, whoever you decide to be your long-term partner with whom you might one day decide to have children, um, that person has to be your best friend first Um, because the butterflies and all the wonderful romantic things might or might not last, um, but you have to be a team. You have to absolutely... Choosing that kind of partnership is the most important team you're ever going to build. And, and the entire relationship has to be built on that idea of 
we are a team. We are a crew on a ship. And each one of us has to pull our weight and has to do our job. And we have to be very clear with each other and very open with each other. And if there's any resentment of any kind festering anywhere, we have to promise to each other that we'll address it without judgment um, and coming from a place of love. Um, and then everything else will fall into place. That's good advice of whether you have kids or not Absolutely. in a relationship. And I'll go. I think that you have to understand your strengths, your weaknesses. I think you need to study each other and yourselves. Yourself first. We need to know ourselves. You need to know your personality. You need to know love languages. You need to be aware of how you deal with conflict. That is probably the most important thing. Are you someone that shuts down? Are you someone that yells? Do you need a minute? Because everybody's going to have something different. And then it's got to be a compromise. This one might want to walk away and not talk about it for a day or avoid it forever. This one needs to talk about it right now or can't sleep that's going to be a problem. And you have to be aware of how to deal with that because then it turns into, oh, okay, we know what works and nothing breeds success like success. Because the best part about this is you can keep using the same skills once you figure out what works over and over again, because conflict's conflict. It doesn't matter what you're arguing about. You use that ability to manage it. And then, and I think it's really important to know what everybody's strengths are. Like my husband's a morning person great. You can do the lunches in the morning because I'm not. And just using everybody's strengths and everyone's weakness and then saying, all right, he's going to do the spreadsheet because math is not my friend. And I'm going to do this because whatever it is, like it doesn't matter, but dividing it up kind of like a team. And if you think of it like a project that you're putting your best employees on, who's the best for this job and why? And then the communication is super important. And it always has to feel like we, it has to feel like we. Yeah, I'm getting that. That's That's been uttered, I think, by a few of you. Elise, you got something for us? Well, when I think of giving advice to my daughters, I would say, I mean, really know your partner and how they treat, it's going to sound ridiculous, but their pets and their mother. Yes, <laughs> and yes. You can learn so much about a person, about how mm -hmm. they treat, especially a sick pet. Um, a sick pet or a mom will give you a world of information about that person's ability to not only be caring with you, but also caring with children and what that's going to look like in the future. And always model for any, any of your children, the marriage you want them to have. That's what I say to everybody. If you don't have a marriage you would want them to have, we are the only example of marriage that they're going to have. Now, eventually they'll get older and they'll go to other people's houses and have some of that for a little while, but all that does is make them and compare yours. So have the marriage that you want your child to have. Yeah, I say that to clients a lot. Yeah, I, I ask them, are you modeling? Modeling is so important. That's our job. Have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Leslie? Yeah, I, I mean, I would uh, probably start with, you know, my husband and I talked a lot before we got married, just about boundaries, about what each one of us would do. Um, we communicated in those angles. Things obviously shifted as, you know, he got military, or he was military the whole time, but we had never been apart till after we got married. So that shifted a little bit. Um, one of the things that I've done a lot, because when I met him, I had a government job and now I'm an entrepreneur and you throw a lot of curveballs at somebody when you kind of change your whole career and your whole life. And, you know, right. So there's, there's been many of times when we have just had a conversation of like, I need to do this for me. Are you cool with still coming with me? Right. So it's that thought process of just because I change 
doesn't mean that he has to do the same. He's a person. He can choose. You know, when he came to me last year, I want to move to Spain. I was like, no. Okay. <laughs> Stable it. Okay. So he came back a little bit later and we had more of a discussion. He's like, I need to do this. Will you do it with me? And I was like, yeah, I, I guess so. We'll go, we'll go do it. Let's go do it. Right. But it's the thought process of actually asking the other person, not just assuming, well, you're my spouse. So you're going to do it. Right. And I think that that's like a really big thing. And, and the two of us have changed. Like I used to be that dishes person. And now my mom will be like, do you know, you left a wine glass in the sink all night. And I'm like, sure. do." <laughs> like, Doesn't matter. Me. If they're going to be there in the morning. I can choose to wash it or put it in the dishwasher then. But that two seconds, I just want to go to bed. Right. So it's one of those things like everybody will change. If you don't say the same during the marriage, even though, you know, they say like nobody changes in a marriage. You do subtly i'm not saying that if he never picked up his socks he's gonna just all of a sudden one day do it or something but you know it's like where do you draw that that line and and really knowing your boundaries and just speaking to the other person will you do this with me if not it's okay you know you could then choose okay you don't want to come with me so do we need to look at a different angle do we need a break do we need to divorce do we need to go to counseling you know What's the next step, kind of thing? Now, maybe the maybe this topic should more should have been more about relationships than really about the kids. We can do that next time. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? Um, I think before kids, during kids, and after kids, it's respect. Not just respect in person, respect in your mind for that other person. And if you find yourself being resentful and go into a place of respect, it takes away the resentment. You have, you have to, and I, I really can't stress enough, slow down, <laughs> slow down. When it feels overwhelming in any aspect of your life, including parenting, slow down. The world does not fall apart, I promise, but you will if you don't, and your marriage will if you don't. So when we think, you know, th see things starting to get right here, just our family in general, the vibe feels different. No one's going to practice tonight. We're not going anywhere, and we're going out to dinner, and, and that itself brings us back together as a family when our kids are doing good we're doing very good um but i think it comes down to respect at all times i agree I because agree your kids you. see that respect and until you they say fake it till you make it i don't always agree with everything he does but you start to feel that respect as second nature your kids see that respect that you have not just as a father as a person and it, and, and there's certain aspects you learn to admire about your partner that you didn't think you did Things I thought annoyed me about him when I started to come from a place of respect looked differently to me. Did it get easier, Elise? Because your kids are grown ups. Did it did it get easier once the kids were grown or I don't think it's easier, it's different. I mean, it's just different. The stakes are different. And um, but your kids come around in a way. That is, you know, like kind of like Kelly was saying, being in the car, you know, with kids who hate you and who don't like how you breathe. I mean, I have the opposite. I have kids now who call constantly. They want to come home. They, you know, they're like, oh, mom, can I talk? I need some advice about whether I should take a new job. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a, a very different adult relationship. I think that's what I need. I just need some 20 year old kids. Yeah, because <laughs> I've been thinking this was like great birth control for me. Oh, right yeah. now, this conversation. <laughs> I, I told people just to video my morning routine. Oh. I used to want to take my blood pressure by the time I got to court. 
And now it's a lot easier because they're a lot more dependent, but my kids think it's a gourmet kitchen in the morning. <laughs> I mean, they, they want real meals. And I'm like, what happened to the Hershey Kisses? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I'm, you guys, I'm sure have all seen, I post a lot about Sydney, my goddaughter. Mm-hmm. And I, that is the best situation that I could ever have had. Like God just knew what he was doing when he, when he orchestrated all of that. Right. Like the universe just, gives you what you need. And I think John is watching. That's Sydney's dad. Mm-hmm. So thank you, John. Thank you for giving me a baby. Because <laughs> she, She's great, right? Like she loves me. She's, you know, she looks up to me. I'm sort of like her maternal figure and, but she's not my daughter. So I probably would be a lot more neurotic if she was actually my daughter. Um, but I am so little neurotic, but, <laughs> but it works. It works for both of us. So I'm very grateful to have her. And I think that's, she fills that need for me, you know, so it works, but you all sound like wonderful moms. Your kids are so lucky to have you. Your spouses are so lucky to have you. And I hope they know that. So I hope they'll watch this. <laughs> But thank you for joining me. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'd love to talk to you guys more about some related topics. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Have a great holiday. You too. And thank you for watching Wake Up Call Live. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about me, you can find out more on my website, christinaprevitt.com. And be sure to sign up for my newsletter where I talk about everything that I'm reading, learning, listening to, doing, basically everything that I'm obsessed with right now. Follow me on social media. Look up Wake Up Call the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to be a guest on Wake Up Call or there's someone you'd like to hear on my podcast, please email me at wakeupcallthepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and see you next time.